Hello and welcome to episode 27 of what we're listening to. My name is Josh. I am one of your hosts. And with me, as always, is my good friend and regional founder of the third largest Southern Hemisphere Jonas Brothers Appreciation page, Asher. How are you, sir? <laughs> it's not me that's been liking all those posts on Twitter. <laughs> that's where that to get us. We keep getting... Uh, notifications of all the doings of the Jonas Brothers, and neither of us seems to have any idea of why this is, but there you go. <laughs> I think it's a, a fair phase as a 32-year-old to enter finally into a Jonas Brothers kind of fan appreciation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely the age demographic they're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, in light of that, I have a quiz for you today, sir. Is it about the Jonas Brothers? It is not about the Jonas Brothers. Uh... Um, it is, in fact, to do, it has to do with both uh, things that are being re- reviewed this week, or one review and one homework, rather. Um, so, um, Asher is reviewing an album by the band Modest Mouse, mm. um, who, much like a similar band you know called Wilco, um, received an extra guitar player late into their career uh-huh. who was reasonably famous on his own beforehand. Um, so after the album that you're listening to, Modest Mouse got another guitar player um, who is pretty famous, and he also appears as one of the features on the album that I'm reviewing this week. On the Avalanches. On the Avalanches, yes. Oh, dear. Um, um, I can give you more hints if you like. Yeah, I'm going to need something more than that because I'm not always a guitar buff. <laughs> That's right. He was a guitar player for a pretty famous band in the 80s. Um. They're known for having uh, pretty depressing lyrics, but like happy songs. I can't give you much more than that. And yeah. Um, I don't know. The Smiths or something? <laughs> that is the correct band. Now, who is the guitar player? I don't know any of I know that that, that guitarist was on the Inception soundtrack, but I don't remember his name. His name? Oh, oh, Asher, you are so close. Yeah, it's fine. Who is it? You, you, you have picked the right person. You just don't know who they are. His name is Johnny Marr. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't have remembered. I don't remember his name. He didn't stand out to me as like doing like anything amazingly special, but he seemed to be very famous, and uh, he was featured with Hans Zimmer on this live version of the Inception. Yeah. Inception. Soundtrack. He's really he's reasonably respected. But yeah, yeah so he he joined. Modest Mouse for like three years. Okay. He actually toured with them when I saw them, um, which is quite a surprise. It's like, oh, it's nice. Johnny Marr. That's cool, Johnny Marr. Well, now I know his name. So, you know, I mean, I still really like Nils Klein a little bit more in terms of no, that's fair. added guitarist, but, you know, we'll get into Wilco another day. Yeah. One day. <laughs> um, all right. So, do you have any catch up then, sir? Yeah, just a couple of uh, bits. I was listening to the playlist and I was listening to something for Kate. Um, and oh, yeah. I realized I do know Monsters. Uh, that's a very famous song of theirs. Mm. And it's quite quite a lovely song. Um, they are really good, aren't they? They've got something interesting about them. Um, yeah, they're not typical in the way they write songs, it seems. And just listening to a couple of songs, I'm like, yeah, I, I could get into this. So, yeah, I agree with you is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, 
Something funny that we have just joked about a little bit is uh, St. Vincent's new release on um, oh, yeah. on 8-track. <laughs> um, I I listened to, it might go, I don't know, can't be bothered putting this in honourable mentions, but she is releasing a new album called Daddy's Not Home or something weird like that. Anyway, it's really channeling this 70s vibe, late 60s, early 70s vibe, I think, in terms of aesthetic. And so it's being released on 8-track cassette and tape, vinyl, CD, etc. Um, I don't know. The first, the single didn't grab me so much. But um, anyway, just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah. Um, Do you have any follow-up? Yeah, well, I've been giving Squid a bit of another go. Oh, how good are they? <laughs> yeah, because I, I kind of, I listened to him a little bit a couple weeks ago when I first heard that single. I do enjoy Narrator, I think, still the most. Yeah. Um, it, it's, I'm, I'm trying to think of the right band. It reminds me of some of these, like, early 2000s, like, aggressive electro disco bands, like, Less Savvy Fab or Chick 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 or Electric Six, like, those kind of, like, really aggro dance bands i don't know um, any of those i'm sorry but that's right i i don't think i don't think it's quite correct either but like the the kind of like shout singing while also like the rhythm section is kind of going super hard at the same time anyway um, it's not even shouting oh it's not just shouting i feel like it's drama like there's a bit of yeah. you know all over the shop um i was listening you put on their um house plants as well yeah. which was good because that's also a very good song, as well as um, there were a few other songs. I was listening to a bunch of other songs of theirs. The, the other single on the album, which I pre-ordered, was um, Paddling, which is yep. another one that's quite interesting. And they seem to not follow a really strict form of their songs either. Like, the form is all over the shop like it's yeah it, it's very interesting so anyway yeah I'm, uh, yeah I'm i mean you, i'll, I'll, I'll have to like give it. them a go i still think i prefer black country new road more yeah yeah um but i'll have to i'll give them a shot when they come out i think i don't know what it is about squid that i find interesting i think it's that they're kind of a bit uncom uncomfortable to listen to like sure there's a bit of work that you have to do as a listener, and I kind of like that. I don't know. I don't always like that, but there you go. It's all right. Speaking of uncomfortable to listen to, let's uh, let's go to reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Is that because I'm going first? Ah <laughs> <laughs> yes. I have been listening to the latest release by Godspeed You Black Emperor. Um, this came out at just the beginning of April. And I mentioned on last week, last episode, um, that I was still listening to it and I needed to give it a little bit more time than like a day. So, because it is longish and it's got a lot of parts. So I'm reviewing the album yep. God's P at State's End, um, <laughs> though it's the G-O-D with the underscore between oh, the two. What a name of an album, I'm sorry. I mean, you... You know that they always name their albums crazy things. I mean, just to pronounce some of the tracks on this is a bit of work. So, Godspeed You Black Emperor, their new album. Um, uh, as always, Godspeed You kind of dropped this out of nowhere. Um, the pre-order wasn't up for very long. 
Um, I had been wondering whether they were working on something new, not because they have any social media presence or anything like that, but <laughs> it had just been three or four years. And ne- since they came back from their hiatus, they've been dropping something every four years or so, it seems. Mm. So, um, yeah, I was pretty excited and I yeah snapped up the album straight away. And I have had my first reactions, are the reactions that I've still had throughout listening to it. I'm really excited about this, but not super enamored with it. Um, and I don't know if I have like anything super profound to say, but listening through it a bunch of times, I really like listening to God's Beach Black Emperor, but I didn't think this did like a whole lot that was different for them. Mm. Um, because listening to their previous albums, there's always something that's kind of unique and new. And this felt like it didn't stand out as much compared to previous albums. Like you listened to their um, Asunder Suite and Other Distress, which I can kind of pick out in my mind. I'm like, oh, I love that that riff, that opening riff. And the, the drones are really interesting in this sort of thing. Yeah. And, you know, Alleluia, Don't Bend, Ascend. Like, oh, I know how that one like goes in this section here and um and off you obviously like lift your skinny fist is very famous and then even luciferian towers which wasn't received as well i really thought that they had some beautiful melodies but i kind of felt like the melodies on this one weren't particularly interesting like there was a lot of octave work um and it just didn't kind of come across having said that there were a couple of really beautiful moments like there's a track called Fire at Static Valley, and it is hauntingly beautiful. I really, really like that one. Um, the end of the third track, so because the tracks are massive on Bandcamp, it's kind of the section called Ashes to See or Near to Thee, is beautiful. The violin work, the kind of climactic feel, like such amazing string work on this album. I've, I've been really impressed by it. So um, I thought that was excellent. And then the last part, the last song, Our Side Has to Win for DH, was really, really beautiful as well. I thought the string work on that was excellent and reminiscent of like what Sigaros do, Um, so Amina and their influence. But yeah, all in all, it kind of like felt like a bit of a rehash maybe, like going over old ground. Mm. What did you think? Um, yeah, I <clears throat> I felt this album kind of had a predatory nature to it. Some of the music, like I don't know, I I I I am not that abroad the Godspeed Black Emperor discography still, um, yeah. and I guess I was supposing this album wanted to be aggressive. Um, you know, they're like an anti-capitalist, anti-government band making like kind of odd, I'd say oddball music off the beaten track music. And um, this is like a a post-Trump era or current Trump era piece of work. So I guess I was expecting it to be more aggressive than it actually was in some way um, hmm. or angrier in some way. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, so, I get what you mean. Yeah. I don't know. I, it, yeah. I, I, it I seemed, feel like for 
all so, their talk, their their music isn't as dissonant as their words. Yeah, like they still follow. I was thinking about whether Godspeed You Black Emperor have been around for a while, right? First album was in '98, I think. Um, and so they're not in the like post post rock camp. You know how we we're talking about post rock, mm. um, and how it's kind of you're you're wondering what the next iteration could be. Um, I feel like Godspeed You have always been a bit of a uh, like the more experimental end of post rock with lots of field recordings and that sort of thing. Yeah, but they're not they're not so experimental as to lose all form. And sometimes, like their guitars are even kind of twangy, like they've got that sort of old Western feel. So there's like definite structure, and there's like it's not chaos, but I think that they they're like yeah their anarchy kind of themes um, are very subtle. It's not like oh we're anarchists and yeah you know they've got their demands about emptying the prisons and this sort of thing. It's like but they're not going to write music which is just pure noise. They actually um, they, they want to write music which can be enjoyed by quite a wide range of people, it seems. so. But, like, neither anyway. does this inspire me to any kind of proactivity as a listener. Like, it's like it's not like a Clash or, like, a Rage Against the Machine album where, like, yeah, this makes you want to go, like, kick some tires in kind of thing. It's not quite... Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I find it... I find their music often very hopeful. Um, they... Huh. Yeah, I, I find it kind of like, you know, they have a lot of these things which they talk about and they're quite sad about in the world and yet their music can be so glorious and reflective all at the same time and kind of like, I mean, the the famous things are like they do their hope drones at um, their concerts and like so they just have on the back wall this big projection with the word hope and like all, all these changing images and this sort of thing and this big drone and that sort of thing i'm not sure if it came became another song but like people often call that the hope drone kind of thing (laughs) and i know that sounds kind of funny but like it's this quiet this quiet hope um that although things are pretty bad like they're trying to make something which is almost like counteracting that this yeah. is me reading really deeply into it, um, and it may <laughs> I mean, not you be have everyone's to, there, experience. There's no lyrics or like music, like thematics behind it. You have to do what you want, you know. Yeah, sadly, I missed. They did a live stream of the album with like 16 millimeter film projections and like stuff, and I missed that. I didn't even know it was happening. This is what happens with Godspeed you because they have like zero media presence. They just yeah. do things, and it's like word of mouth. I realized I wasn't even on the subreddit the other night and last night I was looking through. Um, it seems like everyone really loves this album and kind of compares it to Lift Your Skinny Fists. But for me, it just didn't really hit home as well. But that doesn't matter. I really enjoyed listening to it. I, yeah, sure. I really still enjoyed it. So, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it just didn't kind of – I feel like there could have been some – change and something something different that they had done so yeah anyway that's my thought that's fair enough (laughs) one more thing yes i noticed last night that godspeed you have a um tour coming up in 2022 oh yeah so anyway sadly they're not coming to australia again but um hopefully that goes ahead 
your review. What have you been listening to? <laughs> um, so I've been listening to the uh, latest release from uh, two-piece Australian electro band, The Avalanches. Um, they had. Oh, a pr- I didn't even know they were Aussie. Yeah, and they had a pretty no big idea. hit in the 2000s called uh, Frontier Psychiatrists. Oh, um, I remember it well. I really yeah. enjoy that track. Oh, I had no idea that was them. Like I, that's, um, so these guys kind of just been around for a while, and um, they've moved away from being as much of a like trip hop kind of sample band to more um, like melody and rhythm sample uh, mm-hmm. sample band. So. Um, uh, this latest album from them, We Will Always Love You, is pretty huge. It's like 25 tracks, yeah, like an, an hour and t- 10 minutes long. Um, and it's mostly made up of uh, samples, musical samples, and like speaking samples from uh, people who have died. And it's kind of this oh. um, ethereal, kind of dreamy, um, spacey, dancey album um yeah definitely yeah i and also there's like a ton of guests on it um i've heard it described as kind of like a gorillas album i think that's like that's on the right track but it's much less focused musically than that is i think um Hmm. it does kind of remind me that in some parts but the the features the musical features are much less uh, central to the songs that they're in, I feel. Um, uh, but uh, by and large, the album's pretty good. It's kind of, uh, I don't know, it's really sweet and light. Uh, a lot of the music that I listen to would take itself fairly seriously. And while this album isn't a joke, it, uh, it has a good time, you know, it's fun. Yeah. Um, it's almost like disco in some places even. <laughs> yeah. I had, I had like a seventies feel in yeah. my notes. Yeah. It's very danceable and like not the kind of dances you need to know more than two movements for kind of thing. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. Like, like, I just kind of found myself just really enjoying uh, the the carelessness kind of vibe that comes along with listening to this kind of music. I got enough to do yeah. any deep philosophical thinking or even that like any huge like musical structural analysis. It was just kind of like, oh, you know, let it dance kind of party music. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It kind of, unfortunately, though, for me, sometimes that comes across as a little bit boring. So yeah. some of the tracks I felt are like, Meh, you know, I, I only gave it one full listen to. Um, and so forgive me just if I'm a very shallow understanding of it. But yeah, there were a couple of tracks I was like, Meh. on the second run, I might gloss over this one. But I did really enjoy the backing. Things like Born to Lose were really beautiful. Mm. Uh, Until Daylight Comes, Interstellar Love was really good, like you said. Um, yeah, really lovely use of like synthesizers and just great arrangements. And you're right, like the people who are featuring on it don't feel like 
gorillas in that like oh here's the break where they're gonna rap you know yeah um it's like there's like the, the major musical chunk the they're contributing to it yeah but um it, it was interesting thinking about their you know front, frontier psychiatry to now um and i kind of prefer the like sample band sort of feel i liked the zaniness of that <laughs> but um you know everyone does new things and that's fine so yeah. it was different i'd never really listened to the avalanches to uh, yeah the avalanches properly so this was my first you know full listen and proper proper paying attention to them but um yeah it, it was beautiful it could be on the background and really lovely like you said so mm. I, yeah. I mean i think it's part of the part of the length of length as the problem where you kind of you get the the theme and the vibe that this record is going for in the first like five to handful of songs and then you got 20 more to go through you're like okay like i've i've gotten the idea you gotta do something else with it and they kind of just don't they just kind of keep going with the same idea and it's like a 70 minute album too yeah that's much longer than the godspeed you album i just talked about which is interesting yeah it's true. Um, and yeah. I did find myself, by and large, enjoying songs that had features on them that people that I would have enjoyed anyways already. Like a, okay. like a Johnny Marr or a Mick Jones, who is a guitar player for The Clash. Um, yeah. Like those kind of people. Like those are features that I already would like and have yeah. liked in the past kind of thing. And you're not sure it's because you like this song or it's because you like that person. <laughs> I guess so. Or they kind of contribute more to the song than I thought they did. But yeah, yeah. Um, gotcha. Yeah. I don't know. It was, uh, it was nice to listen to. And it was uh, a different kind of flavor than I had been listening to for the last little while. So it was nice to go through. Um, so if you're looking for something really uh, nice and non threatening, the Avalanches album is there for you. <laughs> Yeah, nice little tagline. Yeah. Put something to groove on while you're making a nice dinner or something like that. Sounds good. Um, all right, homework time. Yep. Uh, so this episode, I uh, gave Asher the fourth album from the Pacific Northwest kind of uh, art, folk, alt-rock indie band Modest Mouse called uh, Good News for People Who Love Bad News. Um, uh, Modest Mouse kind of managed to garner some attention with their previous records, um, especially the Lonesome and Crowded West. They kind of had like a definite sound going for them. People were expecting a lot from this band. And kind of each record, they change a lot or have a lot of surprises that don't really fit with past records on and so this uh this album especially good news has some kind of weird twists and directional turns on it um from the get-go uh but for me i think it's easily one of the like 2000s indie classic albums i would put this up there um in the top like kind of five for me of like what is north american indie music producing in the, in the kind of time period so um yeah, I don't know. I've listened to this record since it came out in 2004, basically. So what did you think, Asher? 
so I I knew about Modest Mouse from you, but I must confess I confuse them sometimes with monsters and men or something like this. Okay. Because I always think about like of mice and men, and then I get Modest Mouse mixed up in that. You know, I'm sorry. They're <laughs> completely different bands, but regardless. Um, I, yeah, I hadn't heard it. Uh, you said I should know one of the singles. Which one was that again? Float On is the song that okay. most people would know from this record. I think I do know that song because when I heard it, I was like, it was immediately kind of stuck in my brain. I'm like, I've probably heard this before. So, <laughs> yeah. Um. So first impressions. It was a lot more intense than I was expecting. Like I was mm. kind of expecting it to be a little bit more like chilled, like indie folk band from the early thousands. But it was quite intense musically and lyrically. Yeah. So songs like Bury Me With It, I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> you're going to scream at me for a while. That's cool. <laughs> um it starts off pretty soft. I really like the world at large. Um, yeah. yeah. The, that little melody the, and the ba, 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 um, really was like very sweet. And the whole song is kind of like through composed. There's not really like a, oh no, it's not through composed. It, there's like just verses. And I kind of like that repetitive nature of the song and kind of the sweet layers and that sort of thing. Um, so float on. Um, made me think of Take Me Out by Franz Ferdinand. Okay. Does that same kind of like, you know, dan, 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 like that kind of um, indie rock sort of feel. Um, when did that come out? Yeah. There's some parts, like this was another album which had quite a lot of songs on it. Yeah. Um, and I, I must confess I struggled to like keep all of the different, you know, uh, like, hooks in my mind and like oh which ones I really enjoyed and which ones I found like a little bit boring I did so I did really love the opening track um float on is really cool things like bury me with it I was like that's cool but it gets a little repetitive after a while Mm. um and it just got a little bit boring then interestingly so when you get into like the southern part of the album like Bedowski um I didn't it just didn't click with me as much as I thought it might. Mm-hmm. And maybe because I'm like here 16, 17 years on listening to it. And that was kind of a thing at that time. Like you've got, um, who did home, uh, Ed Sharp and the magnetic zeros. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like that kind of a bit more Southern sort of drawl sort of thing in indie music. I enjoyed for a bit of time, but I kind of got a bit, tired of it after a while so it didn't click with me as well um um i like the view as well so that was another song i really loved yeah so this this is my thought overall they're really cool indie band but didn't stand out for me a whole heap and i'm not sure what would draw me to listen to them as opposed to like Mm. other bands um around this time and like what are your thoughts about why you would listen to modest mouse as opposed to other yeah, other indie rock bands. Yeah, I I mean, I would say that uh, this album predates Edward Sharp by like a good seven years. Um, oh, really? Okay, yeah, yeah. forgive me. <laughs> so, uh, you kind of, the, the banjo, like the weird insane banjo vibe is actually something they have a lot more in their earlier albums. They 
kind of were like a weird, like art folk banjo led rock band for the first couple albums they have. Um, Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I enjoy the thematics of this album a lot. Um, So it did take me a number of years to appreciate the entirety of it, especially the, the very like back five songs of the album. Um, Yeah. Cause it I is didn't quite, catch the lyrics very well. I'm sorry. It is quite long. So I think um, a lot of indie music in this time period is pretty, um, it's pretty calm and positive. And this album is like very much uh, thematically aggressive and antagonistic about things, which I kind of appreciate mm. um, as, as being different. Right. Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't know. A I, breath of fresh air in some ways. Yeah. I think Modest Mouse kind of have that weird toe line between really catchy uh, pop songs if they want to, and they kind of hide those underneath this veneer of, like, strange indie music. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They, it's... They... And they do play around with things. Like I like the horn intro yeah. that they then use in, uh, is it the devil's work day or something like, yeah, it's quite clever the way they're, they're actually really good musicians and they're playing around with music and themes and, and that sort of thing. And I, I quite enjoy that. So yeah, I guess, I guess the answer to my question is they're quite atypical of that time. And have a lot more interesting musical elements and lyrical themes. Yeah. And they're also semi-local. Like they're from Washington state. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cascadia. So they're kind of uh, in the area of Vancouver. So we're a yep. little more proud of them. And I guess maybe we should be. Um, I always got the impression that fleet foxes were from there too. Is that true? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. They always um, just made me think of Washington state for some reason. Yeah. That doesn't mean um, it's accurate, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I think yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe I should have given you a different number then. But I, everyone, really appreciate the um, strange musicianship behind Modest Mouse. Um, we, no, I think what you gave me was fine. It, yeah. it was a good little intro because they're not very easy to nail down in terms of what they're like. So yeah, you won't really find two songs that are kind of the same on this album, unless they're intentionally that way. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's an advantage, but also it can be a disadvantage in trying to hold it all together in your brain when you Mm. don't know much about them. So yeah, it's kind of a, can be a (sighs) two edged sword. That's very fair, sir. No, but no, thank you. I, I did enjoy it. I, um, I probably need a, Need to listen a little wider to appreciate some of their more work, their other work too. Yeah. So, um, all right. How about uh, what did you give me then? So this is almost a little bit of a blind date album. Um, so I I came across this album and listened to it once through, and then thought, oh, I wonder if Josh would like this. Um, this is an album called Forever Art. Only Idaho, I think. Now let me just yep. check. That is um, correct. By by Harrison Lemke, or Lemke. I don't know how to say his last name. <laughs> um, he's uh, he 
I don't know much about him. He was recon- recommended to me by Jay Tholen, um, a musician, game dev. And I was quite interested to have a listen to this because it kind of gave off vibes of like a mixture of Darren Hanlon and Josh Ritter, like folky country sort of thing, but with interesting, slightly odd lyrics. And I was reading up about the album itself, and it seems to be an album where he's writing to his graduating class of 2006 and documenting all their different lives. Um, I don't know if it's real or one. Oh, yeah, he's wondering what might have happened to everyone, you know, talking about all the different routes they could have taken in their mm. lives. So. I I have really started to enjoy this. I've been listening to this alongside you because um, it's quite new for me as well, and I quite enjoy it. So, I mean, I'm giving away the I'm giving away what I think. What did you think? You are welcome to to go the opposite way. Uh, uh, th- thank you. Um, yeah, no, I think you're right in that it is uh, have some Ritterish qualities to it, um, but I would say it's more. Uh, early style um, where the narratives are relatively small or um, less fantastical than you kind of get like with um, uh, like with the album you listen to the animal years or ones around that time there's a lot more kind of uh, like big stories that are fictional and completely like fantastical Um, like, like living in a like a nuclear bunker. Um, but these are, this album is more like a, um, like a musing on like a small town existence. Yeah. Uh, you know, Idaho essentially. Um, and so you get lyrics like, um, uh, fools with dollar signs for eyes have been selling you your life one weekend at a time saying you'll go far, but you're still nowhere so far. And it's that kind of, a very yeah. um parochial yeah parochial and like somewhat's like scathing or um like it's taking jabs at living in idaho i'm assuming and um it's very much from the perspective of somebody who has lived there more than they want to it seems <laughs> um, he doesn't live there anymore <laughs> yeah so there's there's a song by a popular band in canada by uh, a band called The Week Events, and it's about uh, Winnipeg. Um, uh-huh. It's called I Hate Winnipeg, but it's... Um, <laughs> Let it, me guess. Yeah, this record kind of gives me similar vibes to that, where like somebody is observing the place that they live in and all its downfalls, essentially, and hmm. kind of expressing those. Um uh yeah i don't know i i found this record pretty charming as far as songwriting goes uh, the production um kind of ticks me a little bit in some places the the vocals and the drums have like this weird kind of audio pass on them um most well, of the was time recorded on tape man yeah i it sounds like he's singing through a telephone a lot of the time and i don't think that like sometimes it's nice and sometimes it's really not necessary <laughs> I, I had the same thought um, when I listened to it. I'm like, yeah, the arrangements and the musicianship and everything is really, really good here. 
there's like a big pass, like a you know high pass filter of the entire yeah, record. Yeah, uh, and then I was like, oh, record it onto a four track cassette deck. Gotcha. Right. <sighs> I mean, I think it's charming for a majority of the tracks, personally. But yeah, I don't know. It's kind of how I feel about Sufjan. Where like you don't have to do it all the time. Sometimes it's nice. You can have a nice, yeah. cool audio filter. And that will like help get the theme of the track across better. And sometimes it's just completely unnecessary and actually does you a disservice rather than a service. Um, yeah. It, to me, I mean, I don't want to justify it totally, but it does match <laughs> the whole idea of like about the small country town and it being like a little bit lo-fi. But yeah, you know, no, no, you're um, right. Um, but yeah, aside from that, I think most of the musicianship was pretty good. It could have been some more interesting bass parts, I think, like just kind of missing that extra rhythmic oomph sometimes. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's quite a quite a sweet folk album, kind of westerny folk album. Um, it, yeah, it grew in me more and more as I listened to it. There are a couple tracks in the middle that I'm kind of lukewarm on still, but um, by and large... I really enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah, I'm much the same. When I first listened to it, I was like, uh, you know, it reminds me of those artists, but without the maybe like memorable melodies and sorts of things. Mm. But as I listened to it as a whole a couple of times, I, yeah, I really started to enjoy it. I, yeah, I'm, I'm happy it's in my collection and I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to it more and more. And uh, yeah, I'm, I, I I'm glad it kind of worked randomly pulling this one out and giving it to you. But um <laughs> Yeah. I like I kinda like the self effacing folk genre. So Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's, the Australian yeah, that's to me. Generally a a safe guess is that I'll enjoy that kind of thing too. So Cool. Good good pick. Nice. Good pick, sir. Uh, all right. Honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. Honorable mentions is such a weird mixed bag. It's like <laughs> it's like the random option in Yahtzee where you just like have a bad roll and you just throw everything down there. But um, I have some random things. I'm going to skip most of them. I've been listening to an an art core band from <laughs> the s- south of America called Showbread recently. What I'm does calling that even it mean? art. I'm calling it art core because that's something that helps me understand it. But it's basically they're like a hardcore screamo sort of act, but oh they're they're in the they're in the like era where these these artists were doing like really artsy things, and so I kind of put it as the art core genre because they're trying to like do creative and funny things with with that genre. And they're called Showbread, and uh, they're like a <laughs> They're they're a Christian hardcore band from that from the two thousand and mid two thousands era. Um, I listened to them ages ago, and I was just trying to listen to them again because uh, because one of the songs because one of the songs you gave me last episode kind of reminded me of one of theirs. So I'll put a song in the show notes. Uh, sorry, in the playlist. It's called Mouth Like a Magazine. It's kind of it's quite interesting. Anyway, I'm just working my way through their discography in <laughs> different areas and just wanted to say that. So anyway. Sure, 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 sure. Um, you sent me a fake Nirvana song. Oh, I've forgotten about that, actually. 
Um, I didn't mind it actually. I'll put oh, a little link in the show notes. It's um an artificial intelligence thing made a fake Nirvana song. Yeah. So I so there's this thing in the uh, in the rock and roll industry called the Twenty Seven Club, right? Which is um a whole bunch of musicians uh famously died at the age of twenty seven. Um. Oh yeah, that's right. And, it's about suicide awareness. Yeah, so this this guy made this program to kind of promote suicide awareness uh, by creating fake songs by artists who are part of the 27 Club. So there's actually four songs. One is a Nirvana track. One is an Amy Winehouse track. One is a Jim uh, Morrison The Doors track. And one is a Jimi Hendrix track. And um, they're all kind of weird. They're like just adjacent enough. Understandably. <laughs> yeah, they're all just adjacent enough to the actual songs where you're like, this is kind of familiar, but also they're not quite there. Um, yeah. At least for me, I think the Nirvana song uh, gets the chorus pretty wrong and the drums aren't up to scratch, but uh, it's still quite impressive, I guess. Well, isn't it like a computer generating the MIDI and then they get real musicians to play whatever is generated? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, that's always going to go bad, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're trying to imitate, like, Dave Grohl doing crazy stuff in Nirvana. You're going to have a bad time. Yeah. Um, I, I have just three more little ones after this. Um, I've been listening to 22 A Million quite a few times the past few weeks, um, which is the Bon Iver album from 2016. <laughs> um, this was probably my, like least favorite when it first came out but it's grown to be one of my most um it's too short though i really want wish it was longer there are some (laughs) great songs on that album and i just wish that there was a bit more of that era of bonnie ver so anyway i just thought i'd say that i was lying off the vinyl but i'm like i'll be turning that sucker over like every 20 minutes and it's just (laughs) it's you know it's so small and it's just but it's a it's a beautiful album. So if you if you haven't given twenty two a million a proper listen, which probably you all have, do. Um, uh, a little EP has come out a, a few weeks, maybe a month ago, by um a friend called uh, Maddie Paxton, and he released this little EP of electronic songs called Mash and Pango. Um, yes, you heard that right, and. <laughs> he it's quite a it's quite a cool little EP um where he uses a whole bunch of like really cool synthesizers and drum machines and that sort of thing so check it out if you like that kind of thing and um my last thing is uh Josh here has got me on a bit of a radiohead bend mm-hmm. um uh <laughs> i i've listened to in rainbows twice in the past 2 days um <laughs> and I also listened to disc disc two. Is it is that what it's called? Yeah, this, the yeah. the B sides. I didn't enjoy it as much um, as the the full album, obviously. But like, it's quite interesting hearing some other stuff that they made around that time. Um, yeah, I yeah I really love the song videotape. Um, I'm 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 interested on several levels. Like I love the whole offbeat piano part. Um, even though that's not highlighted on the studio version, I really find it quite satisfying to listen to. 
And there's something about the way Radiohead do like these really dry vocals that is just fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Like Tom on that is just singing this vulnerable melody line on top of this beautiful piano part. And it's quite interesting. And then the way it builds and grows towards the end of the song is, is excellent. So it's one of my favorite tracks, if not my favorite on that album. There's a, um, there's a number of songs off that album that were written earlier that Tom didn't feel comfortable singing until about the time of In Rainbows. Um, And so it was kind of like a, yeah, like a new, it's it's not a new phase, it's the wrong word, but it was an opportunity he took to have kind of a different vocal performance for this record, I think. Um, Hmm. Anyway, I accept no responsibility for uh, any Radiohead binges that may be happening. Oh, sure, whatever. You've yeah. only been sending me those TikToks like every oh, second day. Oh, man. <laughs> I've been trying to be good and not just listen to nothing but Radiohead and actually do my homework. I have never been like the level of fan that you are, but I really do appreciate how like how strong they are as a band. You know, been going for over 30 years and just, yeah, just chipping away at doing great music. Yeah. And very interesting stuff. So, yeah, I always come back to them and go, yeah, I, I really enjoy this. So, anyway, I blame you. <laughs> Your turn. Honorable mentions. Yes. Um, all right. So, up first, I have been kind of been mulling over this one for a little while now, actually debating whether to talk about it or not. But um, it is a uh, shoegaze noise rock release from a Korean artist. Um, and the best I can do is that I think they're called Paranul. Uh, at least that's like the English Englishified translation of their name. Um, okay. And it's only on Bandcamp, but it was like really hot in Bandcamp for a week for some reason. People really picked this up. Um, but it's very interesting to process this kind of uh, this genre from another cultural perspective. I don't know the kind of the oeuvre of shoegaze music is that the lyrics are by and large pretty hard to understand anyways and so when they're in korean it doesn't particularly matter (laughs) like i don't like cigarettes right (laughs) yeah i don't really know what most of the my bloody valentine songs are about neither do i know about what most of the songs are about on this album um (laughs) so it, it uh interestingly this 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 record has an approach to this kind of musical style, which is a little more aggressive, I think, or a little more harsh. Um, Mm. There are times when like the noise is cranked to maximum and it's a little bit hard to listen to for me. I don't know. It's, it's not quite as melodic as I would like um, other shoegaze to be, Um, Mm. but it's still pretty interesting. I don't know. I found it. I would find find it unique. Yeah. I kind of like the noisier parts. While, while I wait for, like, Zune to make more music, basically. Um, <laughs> all right. And then second, uh, this is actually something I'm actually pretty excited for. So the Black Keys, you might know them. Yeah, yeah, I know the Black Keys. Um, they're pretty famous nowadays with their, like, kind of pop rocky songs. Um, but actually their first two albums I love the most. And they're very blues, rocky kind of roots, really kind of grungy and dirty. And I think they're way more interesting than their modern records. And 
So they are releasing a covers album of some like blues rock classics. Um, oh, cool. And it, so they've released uh, the first song and it's a cover of a John Lee Hooker song. Um, and it's really good. I don't know. I'm quite excited for this kind of, if it's going to kind of go back to their roots, I think this could be really cool from them. Um, hmm. As like more of a blues band than like a pop rock band. I haven't followed them a lot, but I know I know of them. Yeah, but that would be very interesting. Um, and then lastly, um, you you probably also wanted to talk about this. So this is yeah, a yeah. um, speaking of not being a Radiohead fan, yeah. this is a <laughs> you're about uh, to give yourself away. <laughs> <laughs> this is a cover album that I uh, saw was being made like late last year. And then kind of came back to last week when I had tried to find it again. Um, uh, an Irish singer-songwriter named Rose uh, Carney um, covered the entirety of the Benz and mm. put it up. And I, A, quite brave, um, not only to pick a Radiohead album, but to pick that one, I think, as well, because that one's a little more... Um, Well-known. It's Well, it's sometimes left in the dust as, like, their least experimental record. Um which I find insulting because I quite love the bands a lot. It's got so many beautiful songs on it. Yeah, I think people people really disrespect the bands. I, I think the songwriting is really, really good on this record. And it doesn't have the same kind of like, you know, out there-ness that a lot of the other stuff does. But it does have some really beautiful melodies on it. And so to hear um, this gal go for it, I think is really impressive. So it's interesting to A, hear this kind of more feminine approach to these songs. Cause the earlier radio stuff is a little more, a little more aggro, a little more male in terms of how it's sung. Um, so this is kind of fresh, but also uh, the songwriting still manages to shine. I think like the songs are still there. Um, yeah, totally. But also her vocal performance and her taking them is also new and also still very much prevalent in the, uh, in the, in the album. Oh man. I went straight to high and dry <laughs> and uh, I mean, because I don't know the bends as well as you do, I kind of went to the songs I know the best and man, high and dry. That was gorgeous. Mm. It was such a great cover and she, yeah, she does a really, really good job of highlighting what a beautiful song it is, but also doing it in a unique way. I don't think she changed a whole lot. Like she, yeah, just kind of, did she sing it even in the same key that Tom did it? I don't actually know. I haven't it checked. It feels that. like it could be because, like, when I was singing along, it didn't feel entirely different than like singing it <laughs> um, with Tom. And then fake plastic trees. I I think um, I might prefer the original, but it was still very very good. I listened to the whole thing, but it was just in the background as I was driving, so um, yeah. I can't comment on those. But I really enjoyed those two tracks. Yeah, I, you kind of, how to put this, um, the, the like production and songwriting of this cover version, uh, gives me more of the submerged feeling that I think the album title is going for, um, in a weird right. way. I don't know how to put that. That's just a, a thought in my head that may not mean anything. Um, 
I didn't know how much that theme was supposed to be taken through the album. <sighs> yeah. I, there's a lot of different ways you could take it. Ultimately, the bends is um, them trying to come to terms with uh, the fame that they have garnered through Creep in their first album and not yeah. wanting to be held lung. held down by it. Yeah, hence my iron lung. Um, anyway, um, I love the bends, and I think this covers album is pretty good. I've <laughs> you bought I, me the bends. <laughs> Dude, the Benz is so good. I still have oh, no. like you bought me OK Computer, and yeah. Then I, I bought, bought the Benz. Yeah. I bought Freestone the Benz, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it is one of the oldest records that I have, and I still love it to pieces. Yeah, and I think uh, I prefer OK, but there is no reason to dump on the Benz. Like, there's nothing to be ashamed of good songwriting. Like, I mean, the no crazy thing there's like two and a half years between OK Computer and the Benz. That's not a lot. That that is how much turnaround time they have between those two records, and it's insane to me. Um, to write and to record, I just and like to release. Just, just to change everything. Anyway, don't and, this, and this then not a, kid a right. This is not a Radiohead episode. <laughs> sure, sure. That's what you tell me every episode. <laughs> one day they're going to release another album, and we'll do a no, Radiohead episode. Okay, one day that's going to be very soon, according to those TikToks. Don't, there's going to be something. Don't give me hope, okay? I don't need that in my life. That's all my honorable mentions. All right. On that, uh, on that note, you can tune in to our Radiohead podcast <laughs> next episode. In episode no. um, thanks so much for listening to this episode, episode 27 of what we're listening to. Um, please check us out on socials and that sort of thing. Uh, we're going to try and be a little bit more active on those those uh, social media accounts over the next little while. Crack the whip. Some of our, some whip, whip yeah, posting some of our favourite albums and that sort of thing and things for you to listen to. Um, as always, you can check out the socials in the off week for the playlist for the next episode. And, yeah, please share us around. Give us a rating on iTunes or whatever it's called, Apple Podcasts, I don't know. Um, and... <laughs> Yeah, thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Catch you around, Josh. See you, mate. Bye.